Welcome everybody to the Swiss Army Man podcast, episode one. My name is Anthony Gordon. Uh, some of you may know me as Tony Gordon. Tone. Also may know me as Patrick Black DFS on Twitter, Flash, um, whatever uh, social circle you're coming from that uh, have some knowledge of who I am. Uh, thank you for watching uh, episode one, and uh, hopefully you become a fan and you decide to continue to watching all the way through. So. Uh, what this podcast is, is going to be a long-form podcast once a week, and then try to post something daily, whether that be a five-minute blog, uh, five-minute, like, audio, I guess, blog, essentially, of, like, thoughts, or maybe that becomes a 20-minute one, or a 10-minute one, or another long-form one, because I just had time to do it that day and wanted to, um, you know, speak my mind. Uh, I'm a pretty passionate person when it comes to uh, figuring things out and learning things. And if I find something that I really like, I just dive right into it. So sometimes I have a ton of passion for something. And sometimes I am um, have like maybe five things that I like. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's pretty uh, narrow in the scope of the things that I like to do. But uh, the Swiss Army Man podcast got his name because of basically the way I've lived my entire life um, being good at everything, great at nothing. That's essentially been the motto of my life. And uh, it reminds me a lot of a Swiss Army knife. A Swiss Army knife is a tool that has all of these little things, like a little pair of scissors, a little corkscrew, a little screwdriver, a little knife. You name it, it's got that tool in there. And uh, none of those things in that tool are the best at what they do. Uh, that knife is not the best knife you can get. That corkscrew is not the nicest corkscrew. Those scissors aren't the nicest scissors, etc. But if you put them all in one tool, they become a really, really cool, intricate, neat, and powerful tool. And um, that's kind of how I view life. If I have all these little, you know, um, things that I can add into make me, then... I may not be the greatest at anything, but I can be good at a bunch of things that can make me a better person and be more useful to the people around me. So, um, that's why the name Swiss Army Man podcast, uh, came about. So, didn't want to name it after, like, myself or anything like that. So, um, wanted to go with something a little bit different. So, Swiss Army Man podcast it is. Um. On this pod, we're going to talk a little bit about everything. Sports, business, uh, art, music. I mean, really, you name it. Technology, um, entertainment, comedy. You name it, we'll, we'll, we'll probably hit on it at some point. Um, that's just kind of the way I am and that, the things that interest me. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring into this podcast is a uh, full... Uh, ability to talk about anything. I've uh, I've done other podcasts where I uh, maybe pigeonholed myself into what I do, um, whether that be like health and fitness wise, um, or you know a certain sport, etc. Those kind of things. And I just wanted to be have the ability to talk about anything that was um, relevant and made me think, or like it was on my mind, or anything like that. So you may hear. Um, tune into a podcast, you may 
hear me talk about the NFL um, for 45 minutes. You may hear me talk about being a dad for 20 minutes. You may hear me talk about um, music that I'm listening to, uh, the stand-up special that I just watched. Um, any of those things can be topics that could be take an entire show or take part of a show or um, run the gamut. You know, it could be very niche and nuanced and just have a little 10 minute blurb about something or it could be part of this long form one so uh in this long form one i'm also hoping to do like a listener question at least every episode that i do the long form so these will be once a week scheduled as of now um so at least one like listener question a week i have one for this week um sent in um and then also which will probably be a just its own separate thing as a top five uh, something I want to do. I know a lot of people do like their Mount Rushmores and like they talk about, oh, I'm a Mount Rushmore of this. I'm a list person. I like to make like lists of like top fives. I'm a numbers guy uh, and I'm a visual person. So I like to put all that kind of stuff together um, and do these. I'm going to, I want to do these top fives. And that comes from having an actual conversation with somebody recently and they asked me a question and it'll actually be the first question that I do here on here, but it, it'll probably end up just being its own little side um side podcast that's like one of the shorter days um, and I, hopefully I can leave those up to you I might put polls on the Twitter um, uh, page that we started for the show which is uh, at Swiss Army Man Pod P-O-D um, so go follow that and yeah I guess that's really like the introduction and after the introduction let's get into the actual things that like we're here to talk about which is uh, for me today probably a little bit more sports heavy uh, than it will normally be. Usually we'll have some other stuff, but uh, a lot of sports stuff going on right now and uh, stuff I want to talk, touch on. So I record this the day before, so this is Tuesday, but you'll be listening to it on a Wednesday if you listen to it the day it comes out. Um, so we're two or, two days removed, essentially, from Monday Night Football once you're listening to this. Um, so I want to talk about some surprise teams, some teams that maybe should have been better than they are and some teams that are better than they should have been because no one saw it coming. So uh, I went through the list and looked through it. Tried to keep injuries out of it because that's a tough thing to really like predict before the season and also just not something that you really want to step into of like, hey, yeah, the Steelers are 1-4, but they also lost their quarterback for the year. Not expecting that. That's a tough, tough pill to swallow. But these are teams that are like mostly, mostly healthy. Um, but have some surprise results so far. So, uh, let's start out number one, obviously, with the 49ers. I don't know, maybe everybody else saw it coming. I did not see the 49ers being 4-0. Um, I know Jimmy G was good. I knew that he was coming off injury. Um, the running back committee there, you know, of Burita and, you know, the other guys is not... Not having, a, I guess, a solid, like, lead back. And then, like, not a ton of names, you know, on the receiving core. Um, obviously, George Kittle at tight end is uh, could be possibly one of the best tight ends in the league, if not maybe the best tight end in the league by the end of this year, if he keeps going. Um, like, those are good things. Obviously, that defense, uh, the Bosa kids just crushed Baker Mayfield um, on Monday Night Football. But... I didn't see it coming, so uh, that was a surprise for me. The 49ers 
definitely trending up. Um, whereas the next thing we want to talk about is Dean trending down. Also played on that Monday night game, uh, the Browns. You'd think after the offseason they had where they picked up all of the talent of um, Odell Beckham Jr. And adding that to, obviously, Laurent Landry, Baker Mayfield coming into his second season after a pretty good rookie season. You got Miles Garrett. Um, a lot of talent on that team, uh, but for some reason they just haven't put it together. Um, the The offensive line looked terrible last night, um, like Swiss cheese. Uh, allowed a lot of sacks, didn't give Baker time to throw the ball. Uh, Nick Chubb ran pretty well. Uh, he's had a good season also. Um, they just have a lot of the pieces, and they're, they're not the sum of those parts is not cause the result that I think most people are thinking at this point. Um, I didn't think they were going to be as good as maybe preseason hype brought them to. I think a lot of people were like, oh, OBJ's on the team. Definitely Super Bowl. And I was like, eh, don't want to go that far. But I definitely had them making the playoffs. I thought they would be maybe like a 9-7 and seven team, 10-6 uh, team. Uh, they're starting out 2-3. and three. So not as terrible as it could be, but uh, definitely, I think, a disappointing start to a team that I think most people thought would do a lot better. So trending down on that one. Uh, trending up team that uh, looks good is the Buffalo Bills. Um Four and one. I know a lot of tight games. I know they haven't scored a bunch of points per se for being uh, five games in. I think they have like 93 team points or something like that. So they're not scoring a ton of points, but their defense is holding teams and playing some close games and winning. Um, so the Buffalo Bills are an interesting, uh, you know, test case essentially for like going from like a team that no one expected to really do a ton to, uh, to potentially making a playoff run here. Uh, especially with the Jets and the Dolphins in that division. I mean, that's basically four wins for them right there uh, with how terrible those teams have been this year. Um, the the Bills Mafia deserves a team that could go. It's kind of very, like, almost throwback year. I mean, I was in the peak of, of uh, getting a youngster being in inundated with the NFL and loving it um, when the Bills made those four Super Bowl runs um, and just couldn't finish it off. So uh, I've always looked at the Buffalo Bills in a, in a unique way and thought they were a team that, that was good, but uh, just couldn't ever put it together. So uh, the last couple of years where they've been bad, I thought that was going to be again this year, to be honest with you. I didn't think Josh Allen was the end-all, be-all. Uh, obviously, not a ton of like superstars on the team per se, so uh, very interesting team for to be four and one. Obviously, some of that can be schedule, but I think uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are surprising quite a few teams. So there are a team trending up. I'll do another team trending up, which is shocking to me that I'm, they make this list, and I know they don't have the best record, but the Oakland Raiders. Three and two. I don't know that after the tremendous offseason they had of getting Antonio Brown, all of the drama, Antonio Brown gone, John Gruden having a kind of rough go of like trading everybody under the sun last season, getting them off the team and uh, bringing it in. I don't think a lot of people would have expected them to be three and two. 
Um, I'll be honest, I think I had them getting three wins, like, the entire season, maybe. Um, maybe a little bit more. I think I had them getting six, but, like, they're on pace to, to put up a, a pretty good season and maybe even make a run at a wild card. Uh, if it's a season where, like, those middle teams are all kind of fighting it out. I think there's going to be a, it's going to be a tight race probably for like a, a last seed in the playoffs. So many teams are way high and then so many teams are way low um, as in like one or zero wins or five wins and four wins that I think that middle ground will have like a, a little pack of teams fighting for a spot in the playoffs in the Oakland could be one, could be one of them. It's it's wild, but I mean, three and two, good start to the season. I know tight games and stuff like that, and uh, you know they they pulled it out against some teams that uh, people didn't think they could pull it out against. But that'll give them some momentum, probably going forward to uh, go attack other teams and and play them hard. So Oakland isn't my last trending up team, I believe. Yep. And then my last trending down team that was surprised me was the Atlanta Falcons. One in four so far. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Matt Ryan, but he just seems to kind of always like be slightly above average. Uh, you got Julio Jones there, good receiving core. They uh, they they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and it doesn't seem like they've made a ton of changes per se. But like the team just doesn't want to win. It seems like. Um, the one win they got was a uh, pretty decent fashion, and that came down to the end of the game. Um, I believe that was against the Eagles, um, if I remember right. And uh, yeah, it's very shocking to see a team with a uh, quarterback that, I mean, is a quarterback in the NFL that should do well and does play mostly well to kind of be one and four is uh, not where I would have seen them, especially like with Drew Brees injured in that division and the Bucks like being weird and uh, the Panthers cams out. You got a backup quarterback there. Uh, you would think Matt Ryan would be having this team a little bit further in the future and uh, a little bit ahead of those other teams that have like their futures not looking so good with like uh, – uh, backup quarterbacks, but it's the NFL. Parity is crazy in one position here and there can definitely swing a uh, major, major pendulum. So those are my trending up, trending down, surprise teams. Uh, comment below in who you think is your biggest surprise so far for uh, through week five because uh, those are uh, some, some really big ones. Um, moving from that into another sports theme, um, and also because I just mentioned the Oakland Raiders and shout out to Trashman Rani. Um, I actually had this on my agenda to talk about, um, but then in uh, one of our little group chats, uh, it got brought up again and uh, found it quite interesting to get an Oakland fan's perspective. But the A's, the Oakland A's, might be the Las Vegas A's soon enough. So uh, I guess um, some issues with, their stadium being owned by the city and the county, something like that, half and half. And I think it's the county is trying to sell or wants to sell to the Oakland A's franchise for like 80, some odd, 80, 80 million, um, somewhere in there, 82, 85. 
And the city doesn't want that. They want them to sell the other half to them. Uh, Oakland wants it so they can basically, from what I gather, renovate the area to help support the fund to go and build a new stadium on, I guess, the the waterfront, um, which is in desperate need because the Oakland Coliseum is from everything I've heard, not a great place to attend a sporting event. Um, which is obviously part of the reason why the Oakland Raiders are moving to Las Vegas as well. So kind of one of the interesting things that, that really kind of caught my eye with this was, so Oakland is has this team that, that has, you know, three major sports essentially. Um, you know, because the uh, Golden State was there. there. Golden State basically wants no affiliation with Oakland. Uh, you have the Oakland Raiders leaving Oakland and becoming the Las Vegas Raiders soon enough. Now you may have the A's going there. So Vegas is a good spot because with gambling becoming legal pretty much across um, every state, probably soon enough, um, you're going to have more sports books opening. In which case you're going to have the stigma of Vegas kind of going away because you're going to have gambling a little bit more accessible everywhere else. And then they already have the Golden Knights and the Las Vegas Aces. Both teams are have made runs in their early, you know, adoption of as a team in playoff appearances and even a Stanley Cup final. So so far proving to be a pretty good sports town. You had a NFL team and an MLB team there. Um, I, I could even see an NBA team going there from somewhere. Um, eventually, wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, Las Vegas is on the come up. And I guess it seems it appears they're looking to get Moneyball over there. Uh, old uh, Billy Bean and crew to come over to uh, to Vegas to play some slots. So, if uh if Oakland doesn't get out of its own way, they're gonna end up with almost no teams basically, and uh, it'd be a shame for Oakland because as I grew up, Oakland was always a very prominent uh, baseball team for us. I mean, uh, Raleigh Fingers, Ricky Henderson, Dave Henderson, um, you know those Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Bash Brothers was an iconic part of my youth. So. Uh, seeing a team not in Oakland there, in Oakland A's, um, would be very surprising. Uh, they have the pitching staff of Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, um, uh, Tim Hudson for a while there. I mean, they've had some good runs as a team, and it'd be a shame to see them leave uh, Jason Giambi. And you just keep naming all these iconic like Oakland players, but they've just never really fully put it all together. So um, looks like the days might be limited for Oakland. Um, to have a baseball team. And that's coming pretty much from, I guess, this is where I wanted to shout out Trashman and Ronnie. I guess these are these have been rumors throughout the years that Oakland may move, Oakland may move. But I guess it's uh, with this lawsuit, I guess it's a little bit more serious than it has been in the past. So uh, this is a little bit more uh, more intense than, uh, than it has been in the past where the rumors have swirled around Oakland not being in Oakland anymore. So... Um, moving on to that, and because I just mentioned it a little bit ago, uh, WNBA. I am a huge WNBA fan. I know some people are either making fun of me right now or are like, "Hell yeah, sweet, another WNBA fan." 
Um, WNBA for me is on the rise. Uh, I know a lot of people have it's not quite in their consciousness. Con- that was terrible. Quite in their like conscious thoughts of uh, things to watch. But uh, you have an incredible game that's going to go on tonight. When you see this, the game's already happened. But uh, Washington Mystics versus the Connecticut Sun. It's two to one in the WNBA Finals. And Washington can close out today. Uh, Washington Mystics happens to be my favorite team. Uh, I've been watching for years, uh, ever since they came out with little tin card trading cards, tin can trading cards for the inaugural season. Uh, Rebecca Lobo has been a a favorite of mine for a long time. Uh, When she was at UConn, I wrote her a letter. She wrote one back to me. uh, Or someone else typed it up. She definitely signed it, though. And um, uh, I've always been a supporter of women's basketball. I've always enjoyed the the game of it. Uh, I love the NBA too, and I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Uh, I think you can love both sports. I think it's a little more technical of game. Obviously, people are like, oh, we need dunks and excitement. and um, You get a lot of excitement in WNBA. A lot of, you've had buzzer beaters in this playoff, uh, injuries, people battling through injuries. Elena Deladon's playing with a freaking herniated disc in her back. Alyssa Thomas is playing with two torn labrums. I mean, absurd amount of like grit and wanting to like put forth an effort and give a great product. And um, I, I love the WNBA. This could be the last game of it for the season if Washington hopefully wins, as I am a Washington fan. I hope they hope they pull it out. Um, but yeah, it'd be really interesting to see um, that happen. That goes down tonight. I believe it's on ESPN too, or I mean ESPN, actually ESPN. Um, so hopefully if you are watching this, you're a WNBA fan too, and you're like, sweet, right on. Uh, I'll, it's definitely something I will continue to talk about as the season uh, gets ramped up for next year and all that stuff too. Um, WNBA, it's a good thing to go watch. I think it's a sport on the rise. If you look at just the trajectory it's going, I know a lot of people want to talk about the pay and all that stuff. The NBA, people forget that like when it was around the same age as the WNBA, they were dealing with the same thing. Pay was an issue. People were working at other jobs. Um, you know, not even necessarily going overseas because that really wasn't a market like it is for the um, the women's basketball to go overseas and play and make more money. Um, but the revenue they got from the league, the percentage wise was way less, and that changed right around this time uh, in the same time frame. And the attendance looks looked pretty similar. Um, they weren't selling out arenas, and uh, look what the NBA has grown into. Uh, so I do expect it to take a, uh, a good amount of time, but I think we're almost right, about to hit a golden era for uh, what the WNBA is looking and looking back on it in maybe 50 years. Uh, we'll say this is kind of the turning point the last couple of years here. So I definitely really think the WNBA is on the rise. I think it's definitely something more people will be checking out. I think some of that's helped out by, you know, their likeness is getting in video games. Also, um, you know, things like FanDuel and DraftKings putting on uh, WNBA a couple of years ago uh, as I think it's the, I think this is, was year three that they've, uh, they've done contests for that. And um, people are just getting name recognition with players and stuff like Elena Deladon, Alyssa Thomas, 
uh, Natasha Cloud, Christy Tolliver, John Paul Jones, uh, some of the some really big names in just this finals on top of, you know, Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage, um, you know, uh, just a bunch of other talented, um, Sylvia Foles. Uh, I know Maya Moore was out this year and, uh, Skylar Diggins Smith was, didn't play, um, to, uh, start the season. Uh, but you have an, in a ton of talent in the league already, plus an influx coming in, of some really talented players. Um, and I think it's just kind of creating this like quiet, perfect storm of uh, a boom that's about to happen. And uh, I've been here for it and I love it. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, like to hear me talk about it because it'll be something that I will definitely talk about. Um, moving from the WNBA though to the NBA. Uh, on Hot 97, Kevin Durant said, I want to read it because I don't want to screw it up. The cool thing right now is not the Knicks. Uh, basically, uh, from what I gather in reading his comments, is, uh, and I think he's spot on, is the kids that are in the NBA now that are hitting their contracts and it's, they're coming up and people are like, oh, he's going to come to the Knicks because the Knicks have this prestige and they're cool. And he's like, we grew up with the Knicks not being good, so they're not cool. They're not good. Like, there's no prestige there. Like, the first, the the shimmer is off. There's no, like, nothing exciting about New York for the Knicks to go there and uh, make it a viable thing. Now, you could almost say, but you went to the Nets, and there's really nothing exciting about the Nets either. Um, they've had some playoff runs and stuff, and they fared okay, but the Brooklyn Nets weren't ever haven't really ever done anything great either. So, but I do like the the thought and kind of breaking it up, especially it brings me to the thing that I like to talk about, which is in a social media era of things and how they are laid out for the world to consume. You don't need to be in New York, LA, any of any of the big markets to make it big. So, you could play in Brooklyn, which yes, I know is New York, but it's not the New York team. The New York team is the Knicks. So you can play in, and I think Kevin Durant learned this probably really well from going to Oklahoma City, where he made a name for himself in a small market team. Uh, a lot of these smaller markets have the ability to almost be a benefit to the player, I think, because they're not in these major media, like, traditional media markets where they're just getting killed if they do one thing wrong or like put on a pedestal if they do one good thing right it's the social media is is really telling you what's real so zion williamson is playing in new orleans and he was the biggest thing to come out of this last draft if he is great and he goes out and averages 35 points a game and 10 rebounds and five assists and he just puts on like a crazy year He's going to get put on a pedestal because he deserves to be put on a pedestal because he's producing, not because he had like this maybe crazy dunk and that's all you see of him. If he plays bad and he averages five points a game and but he has two really crazy dunks a game, he's going to be a little Instagram clip 
and people are going to say he is not the guy that we thought he was. We thought he was going to be this all-star player and blah, blah, blah. So the internet will always be right, essentially. In the, in the major portion of it, if you poll everybody, you'll see the real answer, which is pretty much, you know, either he played good or he played bad. Regardless, he may have some highlight films, but that doesn't make him a good player. So I'm not saying he's not going to. I'm saying the internet will uh, eventually be the the jury on how you've handled it. And that's great in terms of for the players because they don't need to be in those markets that traditionally you had to be in to get like, you know, endorsements and sneaker deals and all that stuff. You can be in New Orleans and be a player that gets all of the benefits of being in a big market without being in a big market. So, uh, and with, I think, minimal downfall. So, um, you get all the benefits of being in a big market while you also don't get the, a lot of the negatives that come from being in a big market, like, you know, being on, you know, the quarterback of the New York Giants. Um, Eli was either hated or loved. He made a mistake. He was, he was vilified. If he, one championship he was celebrated um those are big market things that you deal with in traditional media because the tr- traditional media still runs in that way um uh, so i think uh i think what kevin durant was saying is incredibly spot on and also really reflects on the way that these newer generation of players are going to be thinking about some of these long-term decisions which then in terms becomes exciting for um, things like me or people like me who love baseball. And typically for a long time there, it was like, oh, so-and-so's a free agent, going to the Yankees, going to the Red Sox, going, you know. So some of those like more recognizable teams aren't necessarily getting the same poll they used to have. Uh, They still do have the poll, but in this past, uh, you know, off season, you saw Manny Machado go to San Diego while Bryce Harper went to the Phillies. Uh, so not necessarily the major market teams. Some of that might have been contract stuff, but I'm sure they were probably in the running. But uh, there's things that these other smaller market teams can do to compete with the bigger dogs, which only helps the sport grow and get better and teams be better and more exciting teams always equals more exciting games because you're now not having as few of games that just no one wants to watch. And uh, so Durant pretty much spot on there and uh, and kind of displaying probably the unpopular uh, opinion of the Knicks are not cool and everyone's saying the Knicks are going to get everything, blah, 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 because they're the Knicks. It's just not how it works anymore. Sports are changing, so. Um, so after that, we got, oh, so, oh, you know, other cool, interesting news. So, uh, I was reading that the PlayStation 5 announced it's released. It's going to be released late 2020. Um, this kind of goes to technology and I'll be really interested to see, I haven't read up all, all the features, but I'll be interested to see with like the rise of using audio, um, as things of like Alexa and Google and all that kind of stuff come around, um, how that integrates into like video games and also like just as like video games continue to grow in their importance and uh, I mean there's esports leagues popping up and esports 
people are making good money. They're, these esport athletes are are becoming just as famous worldwide, if not as you know, like actual athletes. So esports and these new gaming consoles and all that makes it this a really interesting um, uh, set of times for a gaming system to come out because never really before has a gaming system been produced where it's like this thing could be the base of everything um so when you get you when you go put out like a like a playstation 5 or whatever you know xbox thing comes out next or you're gonna have um these games obviously probably having better ability to be more visually appealing more than they already are and then also on top of that um a whole new brand of games and the way you, you can play them with like voice activation and all that kind of stuff uh, i think we're going to get into a really really crazy time here um where these games are are very very interesting coming from somebody who's seen it as a kid playing uh pong on an atari in my grandma's uh living room what you see now is a completely realistic and real version of the things that you um, could only dream up uh, years ago. So uh, very interested to see how that goes. And um, as we we see technology grow, seeing just the innovation of it all, it's uh, it's pretty pretty cool time to be uh, to be looking at at some of these things and see how um they're going to change a high portion of uh of how people uh interact day to day um with online gameplay plus uh kids going out and playing with friends or even um sports uh with the the emergence of esports it'll be interesting to see maybe um maybe not so many now but uh, eventually there's going to be a kid like Zion Williamson who wants to play esports instead of play basketball and uh that'll be uh that'll be an interesting time to uh to see as as those things pop up so um so that that's like the bulk of like the things I was uh planning on talking about uh for the beginning part of this uh, I'm going to get to this top 5 uh which is an interesting debate of uh it's something I kind of really had to like think about a lot um Top five uh, in ranking people is makes makes things really interesting because you uh, uh, you're basically putting a definitive order on things. So um, it is something I like to do. So it will become part of this. But uh, the first one was a tough one, and it comes from a conversation I had with a friend, um, someone we were talking about doing things that like made you happy and like make. Um, just finding who you are as a person and uh, kind of who got you there. So for me, uh, the question was basically asked, um, who are the five most influential people in your life and why? Um, I'd really think because um, uh, it's tough. Uh, it, I can become a creature of the moment. So I can pick just people now. Uh, I could also think of people who maybe didn't have as much 
influence on me as they, I really think they did, or vice versa. Um, but I came up with my list, and it's a, it's a little bit of a weird list, but it really does kind of explain who I am, um, which works really well for the first episode for you maybe getting to know me. So, number five on my list is Chris Caraba. Chris Caraba is the lead singer of Dashboard Confessional. He's also the main songwriter. Um, I found Chris's music when I was a 17-year-old, late late 17-year-old, early 18-year-old. Um, and it was life-saving. I mean, music was life-saving. I had a very low point in my life and uh, played uh, Dashboard on pretty much repeat for a long time. Um, I learned how to play guitar um, and write songs because I really enjoyed watching what they did as a band um, and doing things. And that led me to finding enjoyment outside of sports for really the first time in my life. Uh, I thought I was a jock and I was like just baseball player, like, that was how I would identify myself as, as a baseball player, and, um, Chris Caraba kind of came along and, uh, with his music and really touched, uh, a spot in me that, that was something that needed to get kind of unlocked, um, doors that needed to get unlocked and a lot of introspection and thinking of, uh, through myself, um, and who I was and who I wanted to be and how I would represent myself as a person. Um, art and music are a big part of my life to this day. Uh, and I love that. I found that through, uh, through a band that I still love to this day. I still play the records and, um, they're actually on 20 years right now, 20 years of, uh, of being a band. So, um, I found them very early on and I, uh, they were, they were mine for a while there. So I enjoy, um, joy that they they've found lasting success and lasting uh, ability to continue to grow their fan base as well as appease a fan base that's already out there so um chris Graba, number one or number five because i'm going five to one but number five uh really formed who i was as a um as a really fresh adult number wise as being an 18 year old um uh, really fresh adult and helped uh, mold who I am. So, uh, number two will be somebody that um, I've been listening to for a couple years now, but uh, really has a lot of thoughts that uh, make me think very deep about a number of things, like from business to relationships to parenting, and that's Gary V. Uh, Gary V is, as most of you might know or should know if you're on any social media platform, is a very inspirational inspirational person who um, is a, a tremendous entrepreneur, uh, has the motivation to want to buy the Jets at some point in his life, um, and uh, finds the things he loves and, you know, triples down on the things that he's good at. And he doesn't necessarily worry about things that he's not. He more so uh, empowers the things that he is. And for uh, for someone who is 36 now, 
uh, I was feeling for a while that I didn't achieve anything with my life. Uh, in in actuality, I've achieved quite a bit, and I've enjoyed my route um, to where I'm at. Um, I've done more than most people, um, and that's something that like I had to come to terms with because it I didn't achieve the goal that I wanted to achieve per se, but I achieved a lot that a lot of people would be proud of. So for me, I had to kind of come to terms with it and finding Gary V and listening to him talk and uh, explain that like 36 is not very old. Like you're going to have lots of lifetimes left to, uh, to achieve the things that you want. And, um, and that's, uh, that's really kind of put me on the path of, of working hard and finding things that I, I truly do love. And, uh, I think I've done that in, um, in a number of ways recently and things that could or could not end up happening, uh, going forward that may be very interesting to the story of my life at the end of it. But, um, all of that, a lot of that has been set in motion by, uh, listening to Gary Vee and, and kind of having an attack mentality of, you know, go do the, go do the things that are going to make you happy and go do the things that you can find that you'll enjoy and do more of it. And I've done that. And, uh, it's what's helped, helped grow who I am as a person, as a parent, as a father, um, as a husband, as a creative person, um, you name it. It's, it's, uh, given me the, uh, the, uh, the okay to, to really like be a nerd sort of in a way for things that I really like, uh, before as people are like, Oh, we got to do this, got to do that, got to do this. This is cool. This is not cool. Um, I think the things that if you find the thing that you really like and you really love, that's cool. And you can actually make something happen from that. Um, no matter what, as long as you actually have a genuine love for that thing, you can monetize it. You can, um, do it for fun. You can do it to replenish your happiness, all of those things. So Gary Vee, really important, uh, in, uh, in helping me as a, I would say mid thirties, uh, person in growth. And, uh, Next on the list is Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is, I debated to put him first, but there was a weird part of me that was like, um, without having, I would say, a real, genuine um, daily interaction with somebody, thinking of putting them in front of somebody that could, uh, that can impact your daily, which Pat McAfee in a way does, with podcast content, all that stuff. As many of you know, and probably have come here for, uh, you know that I, uh, I do a lot of, um, graphics or videos or just weird stuff, um, to promote the Pat McAfee show and Heartland Radio 2.0. And, um, I enjoy those things and those are a daily thing for me. And those things that have fed into who I am as a person and then giving back to feeding into the, um, growth of that has been something that I do for fun um, and then could turn into a job um, which goes back to the Gary Vee thing and finding something that you love and turning it into 
to uh, monetizing it. So if, at some point I get paid to do that stuff, cool. Um, as if you're watching and you're you're a uh, Pat McAfee follower, you know we had a a radio interaction where Pat told a lot of people that he plans on hiring me at some point in the future, and that would be really awesome uh, if it happens. Uh, it's something that is definitely a dream job. That's a dream opportunity. Um, something that I wouldn't take lightly when and if it happens. Um, I, since getting hurt playing baseball, uh, I haven't found something that I really, really have a passion for in the same way that I have a passion for promoting and uh, marketing and creating um, in this genre. And a lot of that has come via the Pat McAfee show. Um, and uh, that's an important part for me. And somebody who did it on the grand stage and I can kind of see a little bit of myself in Pat. Um, I, I don't know that looking back baseball, which was my sport, uh, had I made it there, I wouldn't have done something similar to Pat and maybe left early and lost a love for it. Um, uh, based on the inner workings and how business works. Um, I am somebody who's very self-motivated and, um, I do things a little bit outside the box, and uh, that's really a theme of actually the the three people that are on this list already, um, Chris Graba, Gary Vee, and Pat McAfee, have all kind of done it on their own terms. Um, you know, they shouldn't technically be where they're at uh, if they played by the social norms and didn't step outside the box, and uh, that's a big thing that I've realized in a lot of the people that I look up to is they did it on their terms. And so I'm doing things on my terms. That's that's uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to really attacking and going for um, is doing things on my terms and for who I am. Because ultimately at the end of the day, you have to be happy. And I think that's a big thing that I've gotten from Gary Vee and uh, Pat McAfee. You hear them say it a lot. Uh, Pat walked away from the NFL because of happiness. He walked away from Barstool because of happiness. Um, he's doing the things that really push him because it may be strenuous, but it's, it's causing him happiness. He's achieving things that he wanted to achieve. Same thing with Gary Vee. Um, you know, it's it goes back to a lot of happiness and a lot of like, yeah, you may have big goals, but those big goals don't necessarily have to be the things that people want you to do they can be the things that you want to do and that's whether or not it you know gives you a ton of money or doesn't give you a ton of money or you can live off it if it feeds your happiness then go for it because a lot of times that's where the happiness and money intersect is going after the things that you genuinely authentically find happiness in so uh so number two will fit with that trend almost too um is uh Number two is my brother. His name is Jonathan Gordon, and he is an artist, and he is a damn good artist, and um, somebody that I've looked up to since I was born, uh, both physically and probably uh, literally in the situation. Um, I love him to death. He's he's a very uh, interesting human being. Somebody that I found 
myself in deep conversation with and also stupid, silly conversation with. Um, Some of that's pushed me and been a big fan of mine and also uh, challenged me and uh, told me when I was screwing up. So uh, someone that took me a while to understand and also completely understood from the start. Um, Having a brother and someone that's like close enough in age that you are in the same social settings a lot of times is an interesting uh, dynamic. I was the younger brother, and so I was always trying to tag along with the older kids, um, which I think makes you learn faster and I think improves you faster. Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a thing that, that really helped me. And my brother was really... Um, he's really important in, in the growth of who I am and, and being somebody who enjoys art and enjoys uh, thinking through things in a, maybe a different perspective than a lot of other people um, in the world. So my brother Jonathan Gordon, who's also doing what he loves to do for a living, is my, uh, my number two. And then last but not least, number one uh, is my dad. And my dad is, number one, not because he's a flawless human being, not because he um, is always there, like, if I needed him, um, for the most part. Like, he was a person who I've had a number of different relationships with, just in the span of our (laughs) being relationship. My dad was uh, military for uh, a number of years. We moved a lot. Um, He wasn't always around uh, because he was out trying to be a person who supported his family and made the best for his family and busted his butt. And I, as a selfish kid, was like, I want the time. Where's the time? Why isn't he here? And uh, looking back, I, I understand it, especially now being a father myself, I can understand you know, not being able to make it to everything or being gone for a while or uh, not being there physically for somebody. Um, but also still being there, uh, maybe that being financially, emotionally, mentally for somebody. Um, my dad taught me a lot of things. He taught me a lot about being a person who worked through hard things and made it to where they wanted to go. Um, I think one of the um, one of the people that in my life has challenged me the most. Um, he didn't tell me that I was I was the best. He didn't tell me that I was um, gonna make it. Didn't tell me I was gonna succeed, and that produced a fire in me to want to succeed and do it on my own terms and and work hard and achieve something and be proud of the thing that you achieved because you're moving forward and doing things that you love. So uh, it goes back to that theory of doing things you love and doing it for the right reason. Uh, my dad is a man that I will aspire to do a lot of the things that he did and achieve in life because he... He's done some really cool things and 
Um, the one of the most important for me is obviously being my dad. So I, uh, I appreciate that he was always there and, uh, took a lot of crap, honestly, from, from me, um, in my younger years and, uh, wasn't always the biggest fan of him, but I think that's because a lot of us, a lot of me and him are similar and we've, uh, we butt heads. So, but in butting heads, we also were able to be, get to a place that is uh, a place of love and, um, admiration towards each other in who we are and who we are becoming and who we will be going forward. So, um, love my dad to death and, uh, very proud to be a son. So, uh, those are my top five, um, people who have been the most influential on, uh, my life, especially as it currently sits. Um, I would definitely, uh, uh, sit down and have a beer with all of them. Um, and, uh, definitely thank them in person, hopefully. Uh, I know I've thanked at least three of those people in person. Um, and, uh, maybe I'll have a ch chance of, uh, thanking the other two at some point. Alrighty. Uh, that leads us to the end of the show, which is, uh, we're going to end on a listener question. Um, a question from one of the listeners, um, at Brent J Powell on Twitter. Um, super awesome guy. I've done a lot of interaction with him, um, on Twitter. Um, really cool human being. So, I appreciate the question, and uh, I thought this question was really interesting, um, so I definitely wanted to use it. I was going back and forth between, like, four questions, um, but then when he sent me this, I was like, that's probably a good one. So, um, the question he asked me was, if you had to pick a new decade to start over in, um, not picking the current one that we're in, um, which one would you pick and why? And so for me, uh, I did a little bit of thinking, and... Uh, I kind of came down to two choices, but I'm pretty much narrowed it down. I've narrowed it down to one. So the weird part of me likes to overcome things. So I don't know which decade it would technically fall on, but I would say like the 1920s was one of my options. I was thinking, um, obviously, you know, um, the, the, how poor everybody was and like the time frame where like everybody lost a lot of things and uh, a lot of struggle. Um, obviously that would be dependent on me saying that I was going to make it out of it, um, for it to be a choice. But, um, I think that era would be an interesting one. I think also with the way I think maybe coming out of that, maybe I would have been a very successful businessman in, running a business going forward out of that um, or capitalizing on what I could out of uh, the, the Great Depression. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that was my first original, original thought. And then I think my actual answer is going to be 1970s. The 1970s was an interesting time. Uh, I was born in the 80s, so putting myself 10 years back seems very, very... Um, probably strange to a lot of people, but if I could have started in that decade, I think for the same reason as the twenties, I think I would have come out of it as a very successful business person because I was always very early on things. Um, my first YouTube, um, 
account I started was like right at the, right towards the very start of YouTube. Uh, I've been on platforms pretty early on. Um, I also understand technology, and I think the things that the generation from like the seventies, like maybe like even the mid seventies, if you got to get a little specific, is they know how to use technology, but they also have the hard work aspect from the generations before. So I think that makes that era uh, probably like, honestly, probably like 1975 to 1985. Um, I think a lot of people who fall on that have this similar mentality. At least the people that I've been around working with and stuff um, fall sort of in that category. Even maybe a little later, maybe like, maybe like mid-70s to like the end of the 80s. People born in that that era tend to um, tend to have a ability to adapt to the new while still maintaining some of the old, and it creates this good um, combination of uh, having done a lot of the stuff that technology makes easier. So understanding how hard it is and how important it is to have that, while also being able to use the new to make it easier and then go back and do the other things that we find hard or found hard during, you know, before, auto, not automation, but before technology made things easier. Um, and then keep coming up with ways to make those things better and also adapt to the growing use of technology. So um, to answer your question, Brent, I'm going to say 1970s. Um, the fact that it would put me in my 40s probably right, right about now and probably, hopefully, a little further along to where I'm hoping to be in 10 years myself. So I'm um, hoping to, you know, figure out how to use the technology that I'm good at already as well as the hard work mentality that I come into things with and make that a perfect combination of awesome. So, um, yeah, 1970s. Would be my answer. That was a good question. Please send any other questions. You can either DM uh, at Swiss Army Man Pod on Twitter, at Patch of Black BFS Twitter. I just opened up my direct messages. Or um, I usually am going to probably post stuff and comment in the comments with questions if you really want to, too. So we'll have one every uh, every week and we'll see um, see what kind of funny things we can answer. So. That'll be all for the first episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll continue to come back and see the shorter ones, the longer ones, the goofy conversations, and everything in between. So that's it for episode number one of the Swiss Army Man podcast. See you later.